five minutes after 6 a.m. Good morning, everybody. My name is Nachum Siegel. Welcome to a Friday, Erev Shabbos. This is your Jewish Moments in the Morning radio program.
for every single dawn. No matter what the soldiers said or how the rain would pour, Sadie always kept a smile and wiped the tears away. Nothing could ever keep him down when he'd start to say, It's Shabbos now, Shabbos now, and I will sing. Your family and your neighbors, it's now your time. Appointing steers and broken dreams, Papa tries to sell a little more. Penny here, a penny there, Mama cries and clothes she told. My Zadie always kept a smile and wiped her tears away. Soon things will turn around, soon we're gonna say, It's Shabbos now. Shabbos now And we'll sing Ay, ay, ay Na, 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 na Ay, ay, ay Na, 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 na Me'i no'ilom habo Yoyim Shabbos menucho Kol ha'mesangim bo your family and your neighbors it's now your time on a palm beach aisle not far from here they gather to celebrate a life of courage through times of senseless hate say to your ways kept that smile and wiped our tears away promised us there'll come a time when we'll always say Shabbos now Shabbos now
seem a little distant with a twinkle in my eye there's a very special reason you will find today is on a Tuesday and the kids learn olive base and you know that I got Shabbos on my mind I walk against the many as they're groping in the night and I've tried to share the Torah in a rhyme and the boys are now bar mitzvah and Wednesday night is here and you know that I got Shabbos on my mind and Thursday 
Thursday sees a chuppah And the weather is getting cold And the Torah scroll is turning And we are growing old And the jokers and the scoffers They're running out of time And you know that I got Shabbos Yeah, you know I got Shabbos on my mind It's a Friday morning sunrise No time to mess around I'm the old man who in right on time And your prayers get more sincere As old friends pass away And you know that I got Shabbos on my mind And there is no deception Cause he knows just who you are A hunger to be holy While feeling very far And the jokers and the scoffers They're running out of time And you know that I got Shabbos Yeah, you know I got Shabbos on my mind It's a Friday evening sunset No time to mess around I'm the old man who dovin' right on time And your prayers get more sincere When old friends pass away And you know that I got Shabbos Yeah, you know I got Shabbos You know I got Shabbos on my mind J.M. in the A.M. on a uh, Friday morning era of Shabbos. Hello, hello. Thanks so much for joining us. Good morning, everybody. Shabbos on my mind, as the great Moshe Yes says. Before that, Michal Brzezanski's Latov. It's Shabbos now, one of my favorites from Eighth Day. You heard Yehuda Katz and Shabbat Hamalka. Eitan Katz with Peiro. Lachun Aranano done by Accept Saturday. And, of course, Regesh Modani opening things up. And we say good morning. Welcome to a Friday on this sixth day of January. Today is day number 13 in the month of Teves, the year 5783, Tavshin Pei Gimel. It is uh, Erev Shabbos Parshas Erev Shabbos Chazak. Hard to believe that Sukkot was three months ago. That is hard to believe. Wow. Um, <laughs> lots, lots happened since then. Candle lighting 423 on this era of Shabbos. 423 is your candle lighting time. 423 is your candle lighting time on this era of Shabbos. Parshas Vayechi. That's for the New York area. Make sure you know when things start where you are. In Yerushalayim, I guess it's around 415, I would assume. I learned this lesson last week from Rabbi Yigal Siegel. It took till this time in my life to realize that depending on where you are in Yerushalayim, there could be a four-minute difference in candle lighting. Is that something? That is how the uh, Hare Yerushalayim, the hills and mountains of Jerusalem work, where in some areas it could be the same neighborhood, but in some areas it'll be uh, sunset, and therefore candle lighting time at a specific time and another area could be two, three minutes earlier or later. Literally in the same neighborhood, depending on, you know, 
how high up the the mountain is or the hill is that the house is on. Anyway, we learned that last week, and I, uh, because I was always frustrated. Like, last week, sunset in Jerusalem, according to the internet, was 445. So I'm saying to myself, so candlelighting has to be 405. Because, right, it's 40 minutes in Jerusalem before Shkia, before sunset. No, as Egal said to me. There's, it was 409 because in his neighborhood, um, actual sunset is uh, is later. So, anyway. Uh, speaking of last Friday, I want to thank everybody who helped us during our uh, 2022 year-end campaign. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Uh, I, I still cannot get over the fact that we achieved our goal, which was so amazing. I had the opportunity yesterday to personally, in person, thank Chairman Ralph Rosenbaum for um, coming through for us at the last minute, literally, last Saturday night before the year ended. And with his donation, uh, we hit the uh, 100% mark with the Cause Match campaign. Pretty amazing feeling, frankly. So thank you to everybody who participated. And and as I've outlined multiple times uh, in the last uh, few days, we, including last Friday, we have a group of people and uh, outfits that are giving major amounts and others that are giving from, I don't know, 18 to 54 to 100 to 180. And those two categories, in order for us to be successful, have to be robust. And that's exactly what happened. We had an amazing a list of major donors during our campaign and an amazing list of uh, average donors during our campaign and you put it all together and everybody together gave us a a very successful year-end campaign so i can't thank you enough for that the uh, Hass concert is coming up on sunday i have the honor of presiding over the proceedings at nj pack spoke yesterday with the chairman it was yesterday two days ago uh, two days ago with the chairman uh, miles berger he is excited for the event there are some amazing sponsors and partners who are uh, responsible for making this already a wonderful success. And now it's just a matter of hitting the stage and uh, seeing which performers are going to be hitting that stage and then enjoying their music on uh, Sunday night. That's what it's all about. Now, I did notice, as I had mentioned yesterday, the uh, our friends at Hask would be... Um, distributing information regarding the live stream the live stream pass for sunday night again it begins at 7 p.m eastern time or more accurately two days 12 hours nine minutes and 57 seconds from now um the live stream pass is a 72 dollar donation it's 72 dollars and um the i have the information here at camphas.com and then you know you just go to the right place but i think that i think hasconcert.com also works i'm just not going to check this second so those of you out there who are anxious to be there on sunday night unfortunately it's sold out those of you who are anxious to see the event sunday night you have an opportunity to uh, tune in from anywhere around the world again hask is uh, selling the live stream passes for a 72 dollar donation check it out and to get ready for sunday night uh, yeah, I have to get ready for Sunday night as well. In fact, I am uh, very much looking forward to Sunday night and uh, hoping I will be readily prepared to preside over a fantastic program. The list of performers is pretty impressive. 
You have people from here in the United States. You have people from outside the United States who are going to be participating. So, uh, should be a great show. Should be a great show. So, 7 p.m., NJPAC, New Jersey, uh, on um, at 7 p.m., Sunday night, and again, live stream, uh, go to the Hask website, live stream available, $72. And um, that's about all you need to know. And you can watch literally from around the world. How insane is that? I was talking to somebody yesterday about how different things are. Comp- oh, yeah, I was, uh, I was saying to uh, somebody from the, somebody from the concert office was sending me one of the pieces of uh, information that I need, and they were sending it by email. And I'm on this Zoom call, and they they hit send, and you know, two seconds later, I didn't have it yet. <laughs> and then, of course, two seconds after that, I did have it. And I'm like, wow, how different is this world? That instantaneously, it was very different. Let me, t- I can tell you what it was like getting information and scripts and. Uh, runs of show in the past uh there was the fax machine but early on there was no fax machine. early on i guess the only way was someone to to actually i'm trying to think the first year that i did the hascons i do remember it being maybe it was just typed out maybe it was typed out that's what i'm assuming it was probably typed out and then a photocopy made of whatever was typed that's probably how it worked yeah, and anybody out there under the age of 40 has no idea what I'm talking about. Certainly under the age of 30, but maybe even under the age of 40. Who knows? I want to thank Mark Zomick. Great presentation of the Erev Shabbos show as usual. Uh, that Erev Shabbos show will be on again at 10 a.m. and th- at 10 a.m. Eastern time, all presented by the wonderful people at Kedem. Um, Erev Shabbos show with Mark Zomick on Thursday night, starting at the 7 p.m. Eastern time, and then again, 3 a.m. and 10 a.m. Eastern time. All brought to you by the wonderful people at Kedem. Um, let's see here. Tikva says Boker Tov wants to hear Hamalach HaGoel from Dvekas and dedicated to her son, who at 9.32 p.m. tonight will be 17 years old. Wow. That's actually pretty cool. Um, all right, so we'll see if we can get that. That is pretty cool. I have to remember how to spell Dvekas in our database because there are multiple ways to do it, frankly. Um, all right, so we'll see if we can get that on. But that's really cool that uh, tonight is his 17th birthday. Nice young man. I had the pleasure of spending some time with him, with Yaakov Benaya, um two trips ago, early December. So Shabbat Shalom, Yaakov Benaya, and Mazal Tov, and uh, happy birthday to you. Tikva says he was born Erev Shabbat Vayechi, and that was also his Bar Mitzvah Parsha. Um, <laughs> Rabbi Cash says, have a great Shabbos, Nachum. Sorry you're not looking at the Shuk now. Yeah, that was quite an experience, literally overlooking the Shuk, and, and, and even more importantly, listening to the sounds as they died down between 1 and 2 p.m. Eastern times. The Shuk was vibrant, to say the least between noon and one, and then between one and two, meaning, meaning uh, Israel time. I meant Israel time. Um, but then between one and two o'clock, all of a sudden it starts to reduce, and then really between two and 2.30, it really starts to get quiet. 
or much quieter, I should say, because there's still plenty of people around, but much, much quieter. It was very interesting. The whole thing was interesting. Hey, listen to this. Uh, a listener named uh, Toba Razel sent me an email and actually commented on the app at about 3 o'clock in the morning New York time as well. Uh, we are regular listeners to JM and the AM on a Friday morning USA time, which corresponds here in Belfast, UK. We are regular listeners to JM and the AM on a Friday morning USA time, which corresponds here in Belfast, UK. Um, meaning, I guess that's Arif Shabbos, right? During the last few weeks, we have been thrilled to hear about your various simchas. We thought you may like to join in. We thought you may like to join in with two of my simchas. My brother, David, Maisha David, uh, Maisha David Kale, obtained smicha and is the rabbi of the only Orthodox shul in Northern Ireland, Belfast Hebrew Congregation. And this week, he was honored in King Charles III New Year's Honors List. He was awarded an MBE, which is a member of the British Empire, the only rabbi apart from Chief Rabbi Mervis to be honored in this New Year's honors list. Kol Tov, Shabbat Shalom, Toba Rezel. Toba Rezel in Belfast, United Kingdom. Thank you for that. And certainly Mazal Tov to Amosha David on his uh, obtaining smicha and with that recognition from King Charles III. More coming up Friday morning, Erev Shabbos, Malcolm Holine in hour number two. Uh, Rabbi Yudin in hour number three, Harry Rothenberg in hour number uh, two, also Rabbi Benji Kramer this morning in hour number two. We're going to talk about Rabbi Druckmann and the life and legacy of Rav Chaim Druckmann of blessed memory. That'll happen at about 7.20 Eastern time this morning and plenty more happening on a Friday, Erev Shabbos, if you keep it right here at JM in the AM. <laughs>
JM and the AM or Michael Nadata. Hamalach is the name of that one here at JM and the AM. Good morning. Welcome to a Friday, everybody, and thanks for joining us on this Erev Shabbos Parshas Vayechi. It is also an Erev Shabbos Chazak as we get set to wrap up the book of Bracious, as that is hard to believe, frankly, as time continues to fly, as the expression goes. <clears throat> Before that, you heard Benny Freeman and Hamalach. You heard Dvekas with Hamalach going out to Yaakov Benaya in the Petach Tikva, Israel. It's America's one and only Jewish Moments in the Morning radio program. Heard on listeners-sponsored digital radio. Around the world, the web at NachumSegal.com, on the NachumSegal Network, and, of course, on the beloved NSN app. And I thank all of you for tuning in and being part of this amazing radio experience. Sunday night's the Hass Concert. 7 p.m. Eastern Time, 2 a.m. Israel Time. The uh, live stream uh, pass is available if you go to the Hass Concert website. It's available now for a $72 donation. Uh, Rabbi Benji Kramer is going to join us. He'll speak about Rav Drukman, Rav Chaim Drukman, who passed away recently at the age of 90. We'll have a chance to speak to Rabbi Benji Kramer about him. In the 7 o'clock hour, Harry Rothenberg in the 7 o'clock hour, Malcolm Holine in the 7 o'clock hour, Rabbi Yudin in the 8 o'clock hour, Mark Zomik, the Arab Shabbos show, brought to you by the wonderful people at Kedem, happening in the 10 a.m. hour this morning. There's a lot going on. There's a lot happening, as we like to say. This portion of NSN programming is brought to you by our friends at A&H. Abel's and Hyman makes traditional kosher delicacies, pastrami, corned beef, salami, and more. Old world classics, beef fry, kishka, and more. Modern, better for you kosher products, including no nitrate added, reduced fat, and reduced sodium hot dogs, plus many other unique items. Visit the website at kosherdogs.net. Take a 10% discount with promo code radio and try A&H today. As we always like to say, you'll be glad you did. Um... We heard from listener Cena. Let's see if we can get this in before the news starts. Listener Cena says, uh, best wishes for a very happy birthday going out to my daughter, Sarah Fryer of Muncie. Sorry, your co-hosts and talents never cease to amaze me. I am constantly in awe of everything you managed to accomplish. And a very special thank you for making my Israel tips so manageable and enjoyable. That's right. We saw Sarah in Israel. Thank you for all the nachos from your wonderful crew. Wishing you a wonderful birthday and a fabulous year ahead with much love from Ima. Uh, that's, of course, listener Sina from down in the Sunshine State. Galitzal in the background. Galitzal, Israel Army Radio, 2 p.m. newscast for a Friday era of Shabbos is next. We say Boker Toe from Jam in the AM. Galitzal, Shalom Rav, Baulpan, El Azar, Ben Lolo, Im, Mashakoreachshav. גבר בשנות ה-40 לחייו תושב הצפון אותר ללא רוח חיים ברכבו באילת. צוות מגן דוד אדום שהגיע למקום נאלץ לקבוע את מותו. המשטרה פתחה בחקירת נסיבות המקרה. האלימות כלפי הצוותים הרפואיים. תלונה הוגשה נגד בן משפחה של מאושפז במרכז הרפואי זיו בצפת, שנקט באלימות מילולית קשה נגד רופא. אתמול מטופל בן 26 שאושפז במחלקה הפנימית, צעק ואיים על הצוות הרפואי ורץ לעבר רופא במטרה לתקוף אותו. כתבתנו לענייני בריאות על אור מאירסון מציינת כי המטופל נעצר, וכי הוגש גם נגדו, הוגשה גם נגדו, תלונה במשטרה. תושב המרכז נעצר בחשד שהרג את הכלבה של בת זוגו לשעבר לאחר שהצית את דירתה באבן יהודה. האישה נפצעה באורח קל. בית משפט השלום בפתח תקווה הורה על שחרורו של החשוד בשנות ה-70 לחייו למעצר בית. 
המשטרה חשפה מעבדת הידרו במחסן ברמלה ובה כ-300 שתילים של חומר החשוד כסם מסוכן מסוג קנאביס. כתבתנו הדס שטייף מעדכנת כי כלל הממצאים הועברו להמשך מיצוי ראיות במעבדות לזיהוי פלילי של המשטרה. רוכב אופניים חשמליים נפצע באורח בינוני מכלי רכב חולף בקריית גת. חובשים ופרמדיקים של מגן דוד אדום פינו את הפצוע בשנות החמישים לחייו לבית החולים ברזילי באשקלון כשהוא חבול בגפיו. הלך לעולמו ג'אן לוקה ויאלה מגדולי שחקני הכדורגל האיטלקי בכל הזמנים. עם הפרטים עורך חדשות הספורט עידן קבלר. החלוץ האגדי של הסקוואדרה הזורה, הנבחרת הכחולה, נכנע למחלת הסרטן בגיל 58 לאחר מאבק ארוך. הוא שיחק בעבר בסמפדוריה, הוא פרץ שם, נסק עם יובנטוס והמשיך בצ'לסי הלונדונית. לאחר שנדמה היה שהחלים מהמחלה, הצטרף והיה חלק מהצוות המקצועי של נבחרת איטליה בזכייה ביורו האחרון בשנה שעברה. התחזית תחול ירידה קלה בטמפרטורות וצפוי גשם בעיקר בצפון הארץ ובמישור החוף, מלווה סופות רעמים יחידות. מחר יהיה דומה. אלה החדשות.
J.M. in the A.M., that's the uh, David Gabe Hamalach. Before that, uh, Yaakov Chesed with Hamalach here at J.M. in the A.M. Uh, where are we here? Uh, J.M. in the A.M. on a Friday morning, Erev Shabbos here in New York. Candlelighting time is at 4.23. 4.23, your candlelighting time in New York. Right, Benji Kramer coming up. We'll discuss the uh, life of Rav Chaim Drukman, who passed away a couple of weeks back. Not even a couple of weeks back. We'll have that for you here at JM and the AM. Harry Rothenberg has some thoughts regarding Parsha's Vayechi. Uh, here is Harry Rothenberg on Parsha's Vayechi. We will dedicate Harry Rothenberg's presentation this morning. We will dedicate Harry Rothenberg's presentation this morning for a refuah shlema for a dear, dear friend of ours, Ruchama Chana Etel Bas Chava. Ruchama Chana Etel Bas Chava. Please keep in mind, Ruchama Chana Etel Bas Chava for a refuah shlema. Harry Rothenberg, Parshas Vayechi, here at JM in the AM. A few nights ago, with over 20 million people watching Monday Night Football, one of the players on the Buffalo Bills, DeMar Hamlin, made a routine tackle, stood up, and then went into cardiac arrest, collapsed. 
the medical professionals rushed onto the field and thankfully they were able to do CPR and restore his heartbeat. But he remains in the hospital in critical condition. The NFL, for the first time, suspended the game, sent the players home. But before they went home, the Bills players, his teammates, and the entire staff gathered on the field and prayed together. Now, I have no doubt that some of them are religious and pray regularly, but I'm just as sure that some of them are not religious and don't pray regularly. Probably had some atheists in the group. Maybe some of them joined in for social pressure. How's it going to look if I don't join in the prayers? But I'll bet that some of them who don't regularly pray said, you know what? Maybe there is a God. And if there is, my teammate needs prayers right now, so I'm going to pray. Also, remarkably, Hamlin a couple years ago, after he was drafted, started a GoFundMe drive to try to raise funds to buy toys for children in his local community. Before the game, that drive had raised $2,500. People heard about it, and they started donating and donating. Hundreds of thousands of people have made donations. That drive has now collected over $7 million. Some of the people who have donated are well known for their charitable acts and efforts, but others, I'm sure, have never donated before or don't regularly donate. There are people who are donating their entire winnings or in some instances, the entire pots from their fantasy football leagues. They were touched, moved to donate. And I was thinking, what a lesson for us. Don't wait to pray. Don't wait for your family member or friend or colleague to suffer a heart attack and then start praying. Don't wait for something horrible to happen and then start giving charity. You're healthy. Family and friends are healthy. Fantastic. Pray for continued health. And we know that charity has that remarkable ability, like we say in the prayers and the high holidays, to overturn bad decrees. But why wait for the bad decree? You take a flu shot to try to prevent the flu. Give yourself a charity shot by writing a check. Try to prevent the bad decree in the first place. And what a perfect week for these lessons. This week, where we read in the Torah about the last years in Yaakov, the third patriarch's life, the only years where he had some relative peace and quiet. Prior years of his life were filled with all sorts of difficulties, but he did not wait for difficulties to start praying. He prayed throughout his life and did acts of kindness and gave charity throughout his life. Never wasted a second. We know that because at the very end of his life, the Torah tells us that he finished blessing his sons, gathered his feet on the bed, took his last breath, and expired. Torah goes out of its way to tell us that, to show us that he did not waste a second, and we shouldn't waste one either. Pray now. Give charity now. Don't wait till something bad happens. Use every moment of your life wisely and cherish it. Don't take it for granted.
JM in the AM. Yeshiva Boys with Hamala Chagoel, Friday morning Erev Shabbos. Candlelighting 423 in New York. Thanks for joining us from everywhere around the world. It is much appreciated. A special hello to everyone in Belfast, United Kingdom, Northern Ireland. You may have heard that email that we read earlier. Pretty amazing where people are listening to this show on a regular basis. It is heartwarming, and I thank you very, very much for that. Friday morning, Erev Shabbos, Hask concert coming up Sunday night. Information about the live stream, go to the Hask website. And um, for a $72 donation, you literally could be sitting in the comfort of your own home at 7 p.m. New York time, 2 a.m. Monday Israel time, and watching the Hask concert, which is pretty amazing. We spoke earlier how just incredible that is. If you would have told me that years ago, I don't think I would have believed it, frankly. Uh, well, we mentioned that Rav Chaim Druckmann passed away. Uh, less than a couple of weeks ago, and uh, at the age of 90. And um, many of our listeners had asked that we spend a little time talking about his incredible contribution to uh, Jewish life, uh, to uh, to um, the present and future of the state of Israel, and uh, discuss what kind of impact he has had. I am so glad that our dear friend, and uh, incredible member of our NSN team, Ray Benji Kramer, had agreed to uh, take on this task and discuss with us the life of Rabbi Chaim Drukman. Rabbi Kramer, of course, in addition to his responsibilities at NSN, he is in charge, of course, of Meir Milim every Monday and the analysis of the Hebrew language Mondays at 9 a.m. He is Rebbe at Yeshiva Flatbush. He's coordinator of educational technology at Yeshiva Flatbush, Joel Braverman High School, and he's with us live via telephone. Rabbi Benji Kramer, welcome back to JM in the AM. Thank you. Good morning, Nachum. <clears throat> I um, I remember Rav Drukman when I was little, and I was in Moshe, Camp Moshava. Yeah. Uh, I grew up in B'nai Akiva myself, and Rav Drukman came uh, as a shaliach uh, many times. I remember, you know, his red beard back then yeah. uh, in the early seventies. Um, he's not known as his red beard because his all the pictures now well, have him really mostly with a white beard. Right. Um, Rav Druckmann was the spiritual leader of the religious Zionist movement, of the Tzioni Dati movement. Uh, he himself was a student of Rav Tzvi Yehuda Kuk. Rav Tzvi Yehuda, of course, is the son of Rav Avram Yitzchak Kuk, the, basically the spokesman, the inspiration of the under, underpinnings of the philosophy of our religious Zionist movement, Rav Avram Yitzchak Kuk. But he was a student of his son, Rav Tzvi Yehuda Kuk, who really... Um, created uh, um, the yeshiva, uh, yeshivat, uh, um, uh, I'm sorry. Uh, or, or, or its own? Well, so eventually he, I'm sorry, uh, yeshivat um, in, in Kiryat Moshe, I'm, I'm losing it. Um, <laughs> anyway, um, the yeshiva of, of, of uh, the religious Zionist movement in in Kriyat Moshe, I'm sorry that I'm just blanking Mer- out right now. Mer- Merkaz Arab? Merkaz Arab, I'm sorry. Merkaz Arab, I'm sorry. Um, Rav, uh, Rav, Rav Drukman, uh, actually, after he studied under Rav Tzvi Yehuda in Merkaz Arab, he went to start Yeshiva Karim Biyavna, our Yeshiva wow. Karim Biyavna, along with Hanan Parat. Hanan right. uh, Parat, of course, was one of the founders of Gush Emunim, the movement that established all the Yeshivim in Yehuda Shamron. Uh, Rav Drukman, in many ways, he was a chavuta of Rav Hanan Parat, 
Uh, eventually, he moved to a place called Merkaz Shapira, where he started his own yeshiva, Yeshivat Oratzion. And I remind um, everybody that Karim Biavna was the first of the Hezder Yeshivot. That is correct. That is correct. He's, he was the beginning. He was like, he went out there to, to help start, start the yeshiva as a student with right. uh, Hanan Torah. Um, I saw uh, Chaim Navon, who's also a great thinker of the Tzioni Dati, the religious Zionist uh, movement, wrote about them that they were both, Kanan Parat and Rav Drukman, were both fully into B'nai Akiva and fully into the Beit Midrash. One of them, Kanan Parat, became a political leader more, and Rav Drukman became the spiritual leader of B'nai Akiva uh, and, and, uh, and that movement. Uh, B'nai Akiva, of course, is the youth movement right. of Mizrahi, the religious Zionist movement. Uh, and he raised thousands and thousands of, of who people who he called his own children uh, into adulthood, building the state of Israel, Medina Israel, Pitarat Israel, as the as the as the slogan goes. And then, it's uh, funny. I, I never really I never really associated the two of them together. But I guess Hanan Parat ends up being the war hero slash political leader, and Rav Drukman at his side or together as a partner <laughs> is the spiritual leader, as you described of Gush Emunim. I never really. Right put that together but it's it's quite a partnership uh, moving forward around the time of the six-day war i i saw youtube interviews with people who were here in america in the 1950s at the beginning when b'nai kiva was was uh, coming you know starting in in america you know used to be uh um uh, 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 um the the uh, anyway Shomera Dati and became a B'nai Kiva. Thank you. I'm just losing my words here. Um, and in the 1950s, they write about how he came and he gave inspirational words and his songs, and they were very inspired. He came back in the 60s and the 70s to B'nai Kiva to be a shaliach and to be in Camp Moshavah, as I mentioned. My brother and my sister well, you know, studied with him in Moshavah. Wow. My brother went there for a Shabbat even uh, to his house when he came to Israel. Uh, I saw young shlichim who were interviewed talking about Rav, uh, Rav Drukman, and uh, they asked him, you know, should we, when we go to America, when we go to different countries, should we emphasize Zionism, Zionism, or Torah more? And Rav Drukman's response was, is, is there a difference, really? And that, that's who he was. Oh, that <laughs> says it all. That says it all. Okay, right, <laughs> right. I see, he, he, was, he was a lover of all Jews. And that was a big thing in his life. All Jews, Dati and non-Dati, he used to go to Dati, uh, non-Dati Yishuvim and non-Dati Kibbutzim and give inspirational words. He loved every Jew. I saw Rav Mordechai Eliyahu, the former chief rabbi, said, one has to love every Jew. And, and realistically, that's very hard. And we both know that. Sure. It's very hard to love every single Jew. He said, but I found a solution. He says, I love Rav Chaim Drukman, and Rav Chaim Drukman loves every single Jew. <laughs> right, Benji Kramer is with us. We're talking about the life of Rav Chaim Drukman, who passed away recently at the age of 90. Uh, you know, it's interesting. We talk about the times making the man, the man making the times, and Rav Drukman sort of continued or, or carried on the mantle, even though Rav Gorin was, you know, so much more uh, on the military side. Uh, still, when it came to spiritual leader of the movement, he, he sort of carried that mantle after Rav Gorin, right? Would you say so? I think that's a fair statement. Of Joe Gurn was was a chief, chief rabbi right. leader also. Um, I you know I I don't think of him as only army, but you know I think because of mayor and Yom Yerushalayim, we think of him that way. <laughs> right. But um, <laughs> I think Rav Gorin, Rav Gorin in many ways was more controversial in Sakhalacha. Although right. Rav Drukman had his moments 
of controversy also in terms of the Geirut. You know, he, he started a whole state mechanism for the state of Israel to ease the con- con- conversion right. of, uh, of Russian Jews and, right. and Ethiopian Jews to make it a little easier. And he, he took a lot of flack for that. But he really, again, these are people who had who either married to Jews uh, and they had or they had a grandparent that was Jewish. And and in knowing what was going to be for the state of Israel in terms of our ability to have a Jewish state, it was important to him that they that they converge and he wanted to make it easier for them. It was it was it was halakhic. It was political as well. He took a lot of flack for that. But again, this had to do with his love of all kinds of Jews. He himself had 10 children, I believe, and he adopted many children. Some of them were physically and mentally disabled. Going to his house was was fascinating, I understand. And he, he had he had hundreds and hundreds of Balei Tshuva that walked through his house. Yeah, I saw an amazing thing that when the Begin government was first elected and they, they had to go to the Knesset to, to vote, vote of confidence for the government, and Rav Drukman had a wedding of a student of his, it was that night in the Golan, and one and he and the student was marrying a Balachuva that grew up in his house, and he went to the wedding. And his colleagues in the it meant he wouldn't be able to vote. His colleagues said, "How could you do this? Someone else could do the wedding." He said, "If it was your daughter's wedding, would you go?" And they said, "Yeah, but it's not my it's not your daughter." And he said, "Yes, it is my daughter." And they made arrangements for him to fly from the Golan. Two years alive, so he could both be at the wedding <laughs> and and uh, and be a, and be at the at the vote. I want to end with uh, a beautiful idea I saw from Rav Avishai David, Rosh Hashiva of Torah Shraga, and uh, he's also Rav in Beit Shemesh. He knew Rav Drukim because he taught in his yeshiva. Before he taught, he got some flack for going there, and uh, from from more yeshivas people in his family. Apparently, he went to Rav Shlomo Zalman Orbach, and Rav Shlomo Zalman Orbach said to him, "Look, there are different philosophies in Judaism." And uh, someone said to Rav Shlomo Zalman, he said, uh, but do you ascribe to his philosophy? He says, well, my enough community, what difference does it make if I ascribe? There are different philosophies. He looked at the guy and pointed to him and said, do you know Chaim Ke? He said in a beloving way. Do you know Rav Chaim Drukman? He says, I know him. He was a Ben Bayi to my house. And he said the following. He was a chefta of Mesiris Nefesh for Klal Yisrael. Oh. He embodied giving his all for Klal Yisrael. And uh, it was just beautiful. In summary, I would say he was a tremendous leader and a teacher. He taught all day and all night, by the way, in his house and in his yeshiva. Uh, he was a lover of Am Yisrael. All his energies were, were focused on the growth of every Jew that came by him and the flourishing of religious Zionist movement in, in Medina Israel. That's who he was. Unbelievable. I'll tell you, we... Uh... We lament that um, you know we we crave leadership like this at all times, and I guess looking back, yeah. there'll be people in, in future generations who will look back at this generation and, and speak lovingly of certain people again, who you know took up the mantle and went ahead and and uh, promoted or you know uh, uh, made sure to. Um, be the essence of religious Zionism and Torah and Torah Territ Israel and love of fellow Jews, as you described, etc. But uh, here we lost someone very, very special and somebody who was really emblematic of that uh, era in our history where, uh, you know, again, time makes a man, man makes the times. Um, that six-day war era opened up the possibility 
for people around the world to fall in love with Eretz Yisrael and to get closer to Eretz Yisrael and at the same time to feel a real unity. We know what, what Russian Jews felt. We know what American Jews felt. We know what the atmosphere yeah. was like. To feel a real unity. And he just symbolized, and more than symbolized, he lived uh, the unity that you described, the unity of, uh, of recognizing that every Jew is a brother and or sister and that, every, uh, mm-hmm. and that everyone deserves the same love and attention and uh, and uh, and uh, and rachmanut mercy as you described with the case of the uh, russian jews you know to whatever degree possible and um just yeah. just the fact that he was um criticized by some tells you that you know just how revolutionary and how uh and, and how he was ready to go out on the limb when it came to avat uh, avat yisrael when it came to the love of one's fellow yeah. jew absolutely absolutely Rabbi Benji Kramer cannot thank you enough. A uh, look back at the life of Rav Chaim Druckmann, who uh, left us at the age of 90 and left an incredible and uh, amazing uh, legacy uh, for us, uh, not only those in Israel, but for everybody around the world. The Tadarabah, Rabbi Kramer, and uh, have a Shabbat okay, Shalom. Take have a Shabbat Shalom. There thank he is, Rabbi Benji Kramer. He's a Rebbe Yeshiva Flatbush, Coordinator of Educational Technology, Yeshiva Flatbush, Joel Braverman High School. And... Um, we can't. I'll mention this to Malcolm also because I didn't get a chance to do it last week. We can't overemphasize the incredible religious Zionist leadership that we had from certain people in that era. I'm not minimizing those today. Obviously, it's different circumstances, but that era around the Six Day War, when the Jewish world was, you know, hanging on every word. Uh, to see what direction we'd go in, to see you know how how things would turn in modern Jewish history, it was amazing to have spiritual leaders and guides like Rav Druckmann during an era like that that lasted all the way until now until his passing. Friday morning, Erev Shabbos, uh, Malcolm Honline, Vice Chairman, Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish Organizations, will join us, and of course, plenty more as you would suspect. As we. Uh, Continue on on this Erev Shabbos Parshas Vayechi, Erev Shabbos Chazak at JM in the AM. Zach, 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 Zach,
J.M. and A.M. with uh, Yisrael Werdiger and Yomzel Yisrael. Before that, Chazak. Good song for this week as we get set to wrap up Safer Bracious with the Barry Weber here at J.M. and the A.M. Friday morning, Erev Shabbos. Thanks for joining us. A big thank you to everybody who got us to the goal. By the time the ball dropped at Times Square, we were at the 100% mark of our year-end campaign. Thank you, Ralph Rosenbaum and everybody, uh, everybody else who participated. Um... And we appreciate it very, very much. And we'll keep going. Belina, they're right here at JMNAM for as long as we can with great uh, music, information, entertainment, conversation, et cetera, et cetera. And a big thank you again to everybody for our successful year-end campaign. Much appreciated. Um, Hass concert is happening on Sunday. That is uh, happening at NJ Pack. Live stream information, go to the Hass concert website. Again, live stream information, go to the has concert website. A special hello to our friends in Belfast. We got this email today. We are regular listeners to JMAM on a Friday morning U.S. time, corresponding here to Erev Shabbos in Belfast, UK. Thank you to Toba Razel. Thank you to um, to uh, Rabbi Moshe David Kale, who apparently, except aside from Ryan Mervis, was the only. Uh, Rabbi to be honored at this year's uh, honors list by the uh, by the King of England, King Charles III. Kol Tov Shabbat Shalom, and again I thank you. So it's not just Israel and the United States, as I said last week. We're hitting a lot of other countries as well, including Belfast, Northern Ireland. Pretty amazing. Uh, JM and the M Friday morning. Our friends at JewishWorldReview.com remind you that if you want thousands of articles to print out before Shabbos about Israel and the Jewish world, feel free. Go to jewishworldreview.com. You will be uh, inundated with incredible news and commentary about what's happening in Israel and the Jewish world, jewishworldreview.com. Check it out and enjoy. Malcolm Honline is vice chairman of the Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish Organizations. He is with us on a Friday morning broadcast here at JM the AM. Mr. Honline, welcome back to JM and the AM. Thank you, and welcome back to you. Appreciate that. Moments. Yeah, thank you. It was an amazing and Baruch Hashem Simchadik visit. Uh, and I thank everybody for all the Mazel Tov wishes. So uh, moments ago, we spoke to our Benji Kramer. He was giving us a little overview of Chaim Druckmann's life. I didn't have a chance last week to ask you. I, had, I would have to imagine you had some encounters uh, over your career with Rav Druckmann. What, what are your impressions, and what should we remember uh, about the incredible spiritual leader that we lost by Chaim Druckmann? He was an incredible person, and, you know, his career spanning many years of leadership, and he, you know, he wasn't so well-known in the States all the time because he wasn't a flamboyant person. He was somebody who accomplished and who devoted himself both to building yeshivas and to the shtachim and to to building communities. I last saw him uh, on during Sukkot when at the amazing Hakel event, which Ooh. is once every seven years. And right. he was invited and he, despite being very frail, uh, and as you, he read the uh, tefillah for the Medina there. And as you know, I had the privilege of having Glila to Bibi Netanyahu's Hagma. Right. And, um, and so I had a chance to talk to him there briefly. And, you know, you could see that it was a strain on him, but he was persistent. He read the tefillah, the whole thing through in front of uh, more than 100,000 people. And uh, I had a chance, Baruch Hashem, to, to have a few words with him then. 
Yeah, quite a man, quite a leader, uh, quite a spiritual influence. And uh, at that time, as we said earlier today, at that time in our modern Jewish history, Six-Day War, post-Six-Day War, somebody who really demonstrated true love for Jews everywhere around the world, especially in Israel. Uh, how is the new government of the state of Israel holding up, and how does it compare to what we're seeing in Washington and our present United States government? Right now, virtually everybody looks good compared to what's <laughs> going on in Washington. But, uh, you know, they'll get over that too one way or another. It's it's not the best uh, image to project, but it's democracy. And, and you know, when people talk about Israel, Israel was, uh, government was elected by a, a majority of the people. And the outcome is one in which um, uh, I think you know, reflects the the will of the people. And uh, it will, as it begins to function, people will be focused not so much just on the headlines or the occasional comment. I think people should be very careful with it, leaders especially, uh, both by what they do and, and how they do it and what they say. Right. Um, the, the, you know, everybody's ready to jump on them and anything that would normally just be passed over or, or ignored will be highlighted. Uh, if you remember when Sharon got elected, how the whole world reacted to it and said this extremist, et cetera, and, and he's the man who did the Gaza disengagement. When yeah. Begin got elected, yeah. you remember what their reaction is, and he's the one who made peace with Sadat. Yeah. It was true so often where people react uh, without giving a chance and, and power and responsibility temper people, and, and you have to face reality. And that's what this government will have to do. The ministers will have to to take over. Uh, I spoke to several this week, you know, who are just really saying they're coming into empty desks, and they uh, they have to build a staff. They have to address ongoing issues. The world didn't stop, and Israel didn't stop while they were having an election. So you have to deal with taxes. You have to deal with security. You have to deal with so many issues uh, that Israel confronts on an ongoing basis. Netanyahu will be in charge. And, and, you know, I, he's somebody who's not going to allow any kind of severance between Israel and the United States. There can be tensions, there can be differences, but, but he understands the importance of the relationship. By the way, I saw someone comment from Israel that, you know, watching what's going on in Washington, you know, who can make fun of what goes on in the Knesset now? You know, the U.S. looks so much worse. I mean, the reality is that they both have their problems. And I think, I think the comparison is frankly ridiculous, two different systems of government. But the reality is that they both have their problems and they both have their ridiculousness, right? Isn't that the right approach? They, but every system, tell me a government right. that doesn't exactly. look, look around the world. Right. And the truth is, as someone once said, you know, democracy is terrible, but it's a lot better than any other system that right. anybody has. Right. And whether it's a democracy with a list system or it's a democracy with a two-party system or whatever, uh, and a bicameral election uh, a government or one uh, body, uh, the fact is that, that democracies, because they, they can be challenged and because they can encounter some of these difficulties, a very virtue uh, of the system, uh, I, I, both all of them are flawed. All of them need reforms, so to speak. But we have to to recognize there was a free election, and we should celebrate it. And the outcome reflects, and, and people of Israel have to hold the government to account now. Right. So clarify this for me, because th this week I had a chance to read. Last week I was obviously preoccupied. 
so, so and, and I know we discussed it last week, I just don't remember. So BB does not have an additional portfolio. There is an official foreign minister, there's an official defense minister. He is simply prime minister and does not officially hold any other portfolio. Is that correct? That is correct. Right now, he, he has given out the, the portfolios. Some, some ministers have more than one there. He has uh, right. health and interior, the, but the defense minister is Galant, the foreign minister is Eli Cohen. Right. And the, the jobs that Netanyahu ha- held, including finance, at, at one point had four or five different portfolios. That hasn't been given out, and because you have a coalition that made a lot of demands on him, he had to create positions. There's a, the Ministry of Strategic Affairs was reestablished with right. Ron Dermer as the head, uh, and that's a ministry, I think, within the prime minister's office. But the others are, are all given out and begin to function. And what do we know? I'm only asking this because I think, and you've heard me say this, that that the diaspora affairs minister and that position is much more important than it was, I don't know, say 15 years ago. I, I think it's a much more important role because as Israel realizes and the government of Israel realizes additional responsibilities to the diaspora when it really used to be in reverse, the diaspora always felt they were taking care of Israel. Do we know anything about Amichai Shikli and, and if he'll be effective in this position? Well, he has been around, and he is, um, uh, you know, he, he's not had a long history of experience. He will get it. He came out of a family. I think his father was a conservative rabbi in the United States. Uh, he has already expressed himself on some of the issues, uh, but I think the sensitive time for diaspora's relations. I think people are taking advantage of this right now, and and we have to hold to account those who exploit uh, moments of tension or differences. And without even giving a chance to them mm. to to actually make a decision, uh, they can make their voices heard. I think you have to restrain yourself sometimes from public discourse, so that once you you begin it as a public fight, the enemies of of Israel exploit it. As we already see some members in Congress and others saying, you know, making references to the American Jews because the there were letters at 300 rabbis and others before there is a single decision or, or anything done. It's true in, in campaigns, people say things that can be objectionable, and there are plenty of ways to voice those objections without the dividing the community and without endangering the, the long-term interests uh, of Israel. Right. And to make your voices heard in, in Israel by um, having people go on Aliyah, they say, and other things, that does not that there still has to be uh, some sensitivity to the concerns. And I think with clarification, a lot of the issues would be, will be diminished. Yeah. I think they always said what you just said, but they said it much more subtly. Now I think people are uh, saying things on a, on a much stronger and more insulting level, frankly, um, when they, when they're addressing diaspora jury, but we'll see, as you said, we have to see uh, exactly how things pan out. Um, Tell me about Itamar Ben-Gvir and his visit to the Temple Mount and the reaction to it. Well, uh, you know, he, what he did, he, he really stuck by the rules. He did not violate any of the uh, obligations. He went early in the day. He might, did not go with a big entourage. But the problem was that he made announcements before, which already mobilized Hamas and Hezbollah and everybody issuing threatening statements. And there may have been a price, you know, with in terms of Netanyahu's visit to the UAE being postponed. Uh, and, of course, uh, others that, that came out with very strong statements. And we had a session at the United Nations, which is just 
simply another outrage that, that with all the issues in the world, more resolutions were passed this year against Israel than all the other countries together. <laughs> that that the, the, this issue about the, uh, our rights, their most sacred site, and again, he didn't he didn't stop and pray. He didn't do any of the things that that would be violative of the rules. Uh, again, I would have wished that he would have not made it public before. Just do it, and then uh, you know you wouldn't have thrown that thrown down the gauntlet. To, to give an excuse to the anti-Israel forces to to express themselves, many people believe that we we have to have the right, and that the only Jews can't pray there, uh, Muslims can, uh, and I think Christians can't either, because the WAF uh, pressure that was brought to bear. Uh, this, these are people. There are people who go back and analyze, you know, how all this came about since '67. Whatever we have to deal with the reality as it is today, and you know it's become a sensitive point and a flashpoint, and all sorts of terminologies that are used. But to deny Jews the right and to, to not acknowledge the historical realities, as they as they do and as as they've been attempting to do, we should not feed that. Um, and and you know the UN's readiness to jump on on any occasion on anything. Uh, on Israel and to see that, you know, we can make the case that they don't have an absolute majority anymore, that they got, I think, 45% of the vote of the country's UN. So the the numbers are diminishing. But the fact is that this campaign continues and they still can get an automatic uh, majority. And, and they voted to go to the International Court of Justice for an opinion uh, against Israel on on the settlements. And this is an, an ongoing campaign that we're going to see, and eventually it could have real consequences. Um, the president of the United States reacted to Ben Gvir's visit, right? He reacted, uh, and but I think the United States reaction was fairly mild. Uh, but they were critical, I think, in the in the UN, um, and the the re- reaction in the region. You know, people looked at the vote, and you saw that it's disappointing that the um, UAE was, together with China, is the one who brought this to the Security Council. But they are the Arab representative seat on the Security Council, so they do it because they represent the, the Arab countries. Um, the, the same thing is true that you have um, countries like Azerbaijan and others that are really good friends of Israel, just announcing first ever uh, a full-time ambassador in Israel. So you can't have a rush to judgment, but it's it's unfortunate when we when we have an unnecessary crisis like this. Um, as Netanyahu said, it was a disgraceful resolution, and it you know it's it's ludicrous in the light of history. But the and they do it regarding uh, quote Israel's uh, annexation and the legal status of the occupation. Those are the term terminology that were used, and the vote was 87 in favor. 26 against, and I think 50-some abstentions. Israeli actions on Temple Mount, unacceptable, U.S. tells United Nations Security right. Council, correct? Yeah, I thought In it was, the speech that was made yeah, on the floor. Yeah, I thought it was a direct, um, directly attributed to President Biden, but I don't know what I'm confusing that with. Um, uh, by the way, on the app, there's somebody who's uh, promoting you to be Speaker of the House. Are you interested at all in that? Uh, I think they have a full-time job. I, I'm, I no no joke. I think I heard someone say that legally anybody can be voted in this. Anybody speaker. can be. Yeah, you don't have to. Malcolm, be. Malcolm. I'll think over Shabbos. You're what? That's America's one and only Jewish moments in the morning radio program. Heard on listener sponsored digital radio. 
around the world of web at NahumSiegel.com on the NahumSiegel Network and, of course, in the beloved NSN app. Malcolm Honline, Vice Chairman, Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish Organizations. Russia offers a ceasefire. Um, Zelensky says no. At the same time, the United States agrees to $3 billion worth of aid. What update could you give us regarding the Ukraine? That is the update. They offered him a, a Russian Orthodox uh, Christmas holiday break. And uh, the, the Ukrainians said that this is because, you know, they're, they're at a disadvantage. They want to they use this to rearm and to regroup. Uh, obviously, they, they've suffered some serious losses, uh, especially with the hit that may have taken 90 lives or many more, according to some Ukrainian sources. Um, and the... Um, uh, they didn't offer a, a, a ceasefire for the regular Christmas, so the Ukrainians are saying that you know this is just a ploy. But um, and the U.S. aid, smart on his part, right? And the U.S. aid. I mean, look, Malcolm, you know this from 20th and 21st century history. In fact, you could probably tell us about some of the wars in this century that have gone on since the beginning of the century. I mean, th- th- this could turn into a conflict, as we know, that could last God knows how long. How much longer will the United States continue to shell out so many billions at a time every time Ukraine comes begging? That's a, it's a very important question. You see that there is growing resentment and, uh, you know, people wanting to set a limit on how much we fund them. There's obviously a human tragedy that we have to address. There is also the, you know, physical needs the, the, um, for wounded, for treatment, um, but, uh, and the shortage of food. Uh, et cetera, that, that exists. But uh, I'm, I think that with time, you'll start to get more and more of uh, opposition growing um, to the bottomless uh, allocation of funds. Uh, and the, the kind of uh, uh, arms that we're sending, we are upgrading the arms uh, constantly. And it seems that they are being more and more effective on the ground. Uh, the the Leaving uh, the Ukrainians their own devices doesn't seem to be an option. We see also European countries uh, doing more, um, but um, but I, I I fear the backlash. And then you start getting this isolationist uh, uh, philosophy dominant, becoming more and more dominant, more and more accepted as people are sub economically today. They they see tens of billions of dollars being sent to any uh, need. Um, it becomes uh, m- much more controversial and, and difficult. So we ha- have to think about the, the broader implications as well. Wow. This could go on a long, long time. And it can, and can be in a low, it can be on a low burner, but you have constant, you know, shooting. And, you know, I think that uh, there could be a fight to regain the, the, the Crimea uh, from, from Russia I think those are the goals that the Ukraine has now. They are obviously fighting very vigorously and, and effectively, and that a lot of the recruits coming in the Russian side are inexperienced. They're new, young guys that have been just brought in. So, And the losses are, are very heavy, and I think when we see the full accounting, if we ever really do, it will be uh, shocking to many people. Medvedev threatens the United States with hypersonic cruise missiles, meaning that they're ready to attack the United States. Like, what are they? What is the threat? The threat is that they will. They will. Uh, they have this ship that uh, is outfitted with hypersonic missiles that they're going to have cruising around the world. They they, they escalate the threat because you know American intervention and you know the the um, we see that they have turned to Iran increasingly. Iran 
uh, has sent sold them uh, hundreds and hundreds or more than a thousand already of, of these um, drones, which are not the most effective because they're big and lumbering, and, and many of them get shot down before they get to their targets, uh, but also and also missiles. And in return, they're talking about sell, selling them to Sukhoi bombers to to the to Ukraine to um, Iran, whose air force has been completely depleted. They don't get spare parts and. Uh, that's why you don't see uh, Iranian planes very much in the, in the air, and they develop these small submarines, developing all sorts of other things um, to to do. And you, you you saw it, by the way, this week in another story that doesn't get much attention. That the the um, exercises they did at the Straits of Hormuz, it's often done annually, but it's still a, a serious um, maneuver at the mouth of the of the Straits of Hormuz, to which. Much of the world's oil is generally um, transverses, and so they they are putting on shows of strength. But the fact is that they are they are not that strong, and they 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 want to set up a manufacturing line in Russia. We're told uh, China, I think, has been quite restricted in the weapons that they've been selling. Although they obviously trade and they buy all the energy, the oil from Russia and from Iran still. And by the way, in that regard, as I don't want to forget, because I think it's an important story that got neglected for the first time in four years. We bought Venezuelan oil this week. Wow. Which is just nuts. Wow. How does it, how did all these things fall under the radar? You know, back to the other one for a second, a, a, a threat against the United States of hypersonic cruise missiles. At one time, that would have gotten a lot of it. At one time, that would be the lead story. You know, the night. Yeah, but I don't think people take it seriously. They're not about to launch. They're in no position to, you know, right. their their military has been exposed to weaknesses that they have. You shouldn't dismiss it, but right. it, it, so why so, doesn't the Velos Venezuela? He, he had the ability. He would he would be exercising it in uh, in Ukraine right now. Right. Well, that's scary. Um, then why does the Venezuela oil not get any headlines? I have no idea, but the idea that we're strengthening uh, an Iranian ally when we were doing sanctions, we were interdicting their shipments coming from Venezuela, from Iran to Venezuela. We know that they have that plane that goes from Venezuela to Iran to Damascus uh, and now to Iran much more often. Um, I, I, I don't know why we would in any way economically benefit uh, Venezuela. They say that they made some gestures, but there's no evidence that in any way they they are moving uh, more in terms of America's interest in South America, a continent that is constantly shifting under their in- influence, and that we know that all the elections that have taken place recently, whether from Brazil to Colombia to Costa Rica, etc., and Chile, have brought to power hostile forces. In addition to the Nicaragua. Uh, Venezuela, the Bolivarian states, and all those that are strongly influenced by by Iran and uh, Hezbollah has training camps there. You know, we 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 ignore South America to our peril. Yeah, it's uh, but it's certainly in it's certainly benefiting someone's interests. I don't want to blame everything on Hunter Biden, but uh, someone someone must be uh, uh, you know making something off of this deal or. You know, arranging this deal for uh, for their benefit, I would guess. Who knows? I hate to be so cynical, but after all, we see what's happening uh, around the world. Why in Iran do I read on the same uh, website of death sentences that are being um, that are being uh, issued for those who are involved in protests, and at the same time, 
some high-profile people being released on bail, even though they were released, uh, even though they were involved in the protests. I, I assume there's no rhyme or reason to how the Iranians react to those that they uh, uh, that they take into custody after these protests. Well, there is uh, uh, um, some pattern to it, but you can't say you can't point to why some of the people are being charged and sentenced to death. And there were executions, and we believe there were some this week as well. Right, that's what it looks like. Unexecuted more people this past year than any country in the world, almost, I think, 600. And that that there are many people on death row that they've arrested, tens of thousands perhaps, but including young people, uh, aged 9 and 15. And the, the public execution on the top of the crane, and it doesn't get any real condemnation uh, aside from some verbal reference but that the united nations they can continue to come out and attack and criticize uh, uh, and and um, and yet their death sentences uh, elicit so, so few responses and the clearly trumped up charges against people who are just opposition to the government speaking in, against the government you know, making a comment on television critical of government now has brought a, a, a death sentence against a, a man who uh, merely said things that we would take for granted. Any, it's it's. Um, Malcolm, we're having trouble hearing you. You may have to move closer to the base or whatever, but we're having trouble hearing you. Yeah, go ahead. I'm sorry. <clears throat> Maybe my voice needs to be clarified. I, it's, but, it sounds like a, a technical issue, not your voice issue. But oh. Okay. <laughs> Sorry, I don't know what to do, but um, I'm in the same position as I have been for 30 years. I never move, so I can be here Friday on time. Um, the the uh, well, that's, anyway, that's we baffling. About the death sentences, yeah, yeah, that's baffling to me. Not as important as the death sentences in Iran, but uh, I always thought moving closer to the base actually helped. Maybe I'm wrong about that. When you speak to the people in Iran, and you do this on a regular basis, and obviously you're up to date on the protests and rallies, and you're up to date on these unfortunately executions, and obviously you hear the news when people are released on bail. What are they telling you now about the economy? Is it the same way you've described over the last couple of months? It's just completely reeling, and there's no hope. It's worse, and it's getting worse all the time. I think that the, the Toman, there's 40,000 Toman to the dollar, which is just so outrageous. It's, it's, uh, it gets worse and worse. The economy is in, in free fall. They can't deal with the drought. They can't deal with the unemployment. They can't deal with the drug needs and COVID, et cetera. And the, the, uh, the people, the, the opposition is more and more widespread. There was an interesting story again when you told, when uh, I try to cite things that that the press right. uh, almost ignores. Igno- ignores. Right. <laughs> you know, they announced six candidates for for the presidency of Iran. They didn't announce the names yet. They're going to do it, I think, this week. But you know, the Guardian Council, and if you remember from past elections, where I try to explain how you know people put forward a candidacy and there are thousands and they whittle it down and has to go before the guardian council and has to go through other bodies to get approved until you end up with one or two candidates that then run but they all have to be super approved that's true for the marshals candidates too so here you now they whittled it down to six candidates and the whole press ignores it which tells us we're going to have an election to a replacement for Khamenei and you know somebody obviously that he approves but but that process is moving ahead. Um, 
and I, I think that the um, I don't remember what your question was, but well, I was the, asking about the happy elections is important. No, I was asking about the economy, and didn't we just recently have an Iran election, or was that more local? Was that there was a different no, that parliament? That was a parliament uh, election. local elections, but this is for for the leadership, and it's uh, it's it's very contentious because you have a lot of opposition growing, and and the level of dissent keeps going higher and higher within. Uh, the IC, the, the uh, leadership, the IRGC, and the leadership is a lot of discontent. Remember, people's families are not are not able to feed their families or have difficulty because of the economic collapse. And the the um, by the way, this week was the anniversary of the the elimination of Mr. Soleimani, which became right. uh, you know occasion for many anti-U.S. Uh, events and including two rockets that hit a U.S. base in eastern Syria, which was attributed to the being the anniversary. And it's a there are a lot of U.S. troops that are housed there. I think it's 900. Um, so this is the third anniversary that they that they marked. Um, so the, the the internal situation continues. There are demonstrations in 250 cities. Larger and larger groups, more and more professional groups, doctors, lawyers, others are joining the demonstrations. And how do they live and, under those economic circumstances? It's just that's that's it's impossible for me to understand. And I ask the Iranians, how do you do? You, you, people living on pension are literally eliminated their, their, their income. They they had if you had fifty thousand, they lopped off four zeros. You had five dollars, and uh, and it's it's quite amazing. You don't know how do they. How do they afford? Remember, Iran is continuing to sell oil, and they sell on the black market. So the IRGC and the Supreme Leader's House they, they control forty percent of the economy. So they take that off the top, and whatever's left uh, goes to the people. But you see, even demonstrations within the um, bazaar, uh, their people somehow manage to survive. I, I don't know how regularly they survive, but they they do. And the but but the young people in particular, there it feeds the the dissent the dissent and the uh, kind of demonstrations that are going on and and you know we've seen more violence by the way in the demonstrations as well. And they can't leave. I forget about the Jewish community for a moment. Basically, anybody there, it would be a very difficult task to try to leave. Oh, the 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 brain drain there is constant. You know, about a hundred thousand of their best graduates and other leave the country every year. It is um, they they can get out and they do leave and they get jobs everywhere. You know that that uh, more than a thousand of the top leadership have children who are studying in the United States or, or have houses or are living here, and they're preparing so that they can go out. Many bought houses and and try to get citizenship in Venezuela because they anticipate the collapse of the regime and want to have a place that they can escape to. Right. Uh, uh, and and there are other locations as well. But, you know, the United States has to take action to prevent uh, becoming an escape hatch for people who are involved in the murders, the executions, and the subjugation of the Iranian people. Finally, um, what would you say to President Biden if you had an opportunity to speak to him right after he compared illegal immigrants coming to the United States to Jews fleeing Nazi Germany? Yeah, it was a very unfortunate thing, but I, I don't think he intended anything bad for you saw. And I, I watched the, the tape of that uh, exchange. He was uh, he's saying that there are times when what he said, and this is the context in which he made the comment, was that there are times when 
you know, people leaving and people having to be admitted is the right thing to do, as, as Jews leaving Germany uh, should have been, and we're not in the case of the United States. Right. Um, so I, I, I don't think he can jump on every every statement and, and make a federal case. I think, you know, he has made other comments when we see that he just, um, it doesn't seem to have been a scripted uh, uh, comment. Will you have a chance to see the prime minister next week? You don't know yet. Uh, I will certainly see the members of the new government next week. So you might see the prime minister. Uh, could be. Has he I has known him for forty some years? Has he autographed his new book for you yet? He, he actually talked to me about his new book, and he quotes me in there. Nice, even though it's not completely correct. But <laughs> the reference, but, <laughs> but 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 I told him, why didn't you ask me before? I don't just tell me. He said, no, no, look at it first, and then, then I didn't look at it, and, <laughs> and, that, and that was that. Now now I know why you won't see him next week. <laughs> <laughs> no, not after this, I won't. But um, he, he, uh, I, I hope to, to see him. And we've had you know, a close relationship for all the years. And I know many of the members of the new government uh, are old friends. So it's, um, you know, and, and, and there's a lot of quality here. Defense Minister Gallant and right. um, Ellie Cohen is a new for- person, a new uh, quantity we have to see. But many of the others are not. Ron Dermer, obviously, right. being in the government, and Dichter, others who are experienced and, and longtime friends, and, and very concerned about the Israel diaspora relationship. And that's why I'm, I'm more confident. And uh, I think there will be greater sensitivity and, and uh, more awareness as we move ahead. A lot of old names, a lot of new names. Malcolm will keep us up to date regarding next Friday's schedule. Hopefully, he'll be with us from, uh, is, from uh, Jerusalem. And if not, obviously, we'll update everybody. Have a, a wonderful trip and a wonderful Shabbos, Malcolm. And thanks so much. We'll uh, speak again hopefully next week. Great Shabbos to everyone. Malcolm Holmline, Vice Chairman, Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish Organizations, with us Fridays at uh, 8.40 a.m. Eastern Time. 8.40. At 7.40 a.m. Eastern Time right here at JM in the AM. <laughs> it was 8.40. I guess the show would be over by now. Um a, uh, this portion of NSN programming brought to you by our friends at A&H. Abel's and Hyman Kosher Hot Dog Sausage and Deli is the world's best, serving the kosher world since 1954 and available at better kosher supermarkets nationwide. Try A&H today. Speaking of books, have you checked out the brand new book by Rabbi Yustral Besser about Rav David Feinstein's Zatzal? Check it out by going to artscroll.com. Again, that's artscroll.com. Make sure to use promo code radio. Make sure to use promo code radio. You know the rule. Every time you go to artscroll.com and it's time for checkout, Always use promo code radio for your major discount and your free shipping. Always use promo code radio at artscroll.com. Reminder, this coming Monday night at the Keter Torah, it's the uh, Max and Ruth Schwartz Stay Road Hesder Institutions that will benefit from the Eitan Katz concert. We spoke about this yesterday on the air. Information, you can contact our good friend Buzzy Green at 201-675-4717 or go to friendsofstayroad.org. Again, just go to friendsofstayroad.org slash dinner for information about Monday night, for information about Sunday night's Hass concert. Uh, which is happening this coming Sunday night in New Jersey. It's completely sold out. There is uh, there is um, live stream information available at the Hask website, live stream information available for a $72 donation. You can watch it literally in the comfort of your own home, uh, which is amazing, and that's happening Sunday night at 7 p.m. Eastern time. Uh, always extra special. I mean, last week was really extra special because both Harayudin and I were in Israel, and that's always incredible. Uh, when we get to speak to our audience from the Holy Land. But uh, even though I'm here in the United States at the moment, 
It's always extra special when Rabbi Yudin speaks to us from the Holy Land, from Israel, and we are anticipating his words on this Shabbos Chazak here at JM in the AM. This time each and every Friday, every Arab Shabbos, with great pleasure, we present Rabbi Benjamin Yudin, spiritual leader emeritus, congregation Shomri Torah, Fairlawn, New Jersey, to address the entire listening audience concerning the Torah portion of the week. Good morning, Rabbi Yudin. Good morning, Nachum. Good Arab Shabbos, everybody. And for those that are listening in Eretz Israel, good afternoon. And wow. First of all, tomorrow we have the privilege of reading Parshas Vayechi. It is a Shabbos Chazak. And there's no question but that being here in Eretz Israel gives a great deal of chizuk. We're going to read Amir Tashem, how Yaakov describes in great detail how he purchased the right of burial in Hebron, in Mo'arasa Machpelah, and to think that we have this chus today to visit, to daven at Mo'arasa Machpelah. And I heard this morning, Baruch Hashem, that they have just finished a new guest house in Hebron, giving more people the opportunity to spend Shabbos there, not just on Shabbos, Parshas Chayisora, but when you make your itinerary for coming to Eretz Israel, where am I going to be for Shabbatot? Consider going to Hebron. It's something you will never forget. The excitement that we have in this week's Parsha of Yaakov giving brachos to his children prior to his passing, and in fact, interestingly, on the Pasuk, that the Torah tells us by Yaakov Avinu, the beginning of the parsha, after this, behold, your father is sick. That's the hine. So the rabbis tell us that until Yaakov, there was no sickness in the world. The idea that we say, God bless you, Gesundheit, when somebody sneezes, and when uh, somebody coughs, we say, cover your mouth. But we don't say, God bless you. Why don't we care? Until Yaakov, the same way that the Torah tells us, in Perigbeza of Bereshis, that a Kodesh Baruch who breathed life into the first man through his nose. So as the Neshama came in, through the nose of man, that's the way it left. And so when a person sneezed, forgive me, they died. Until Yaakov, Yaakov Bikesh, he asked for Kodesh Baruch Hu to give him holy, to give him some kind of an advance warning of sickness, so he had the opportunity to, quote, get his life in order, to be Messiah, to give his children, Hadracha, but after he leaves this world, as we find in the Haftorah as well, that Dovra Melech gives Shlomo the continuity for after his passing on. And interestingly, you'll take a look at the brachos. The brachos are not simply, you should be matzliach, but rather the bracho was pointing out to each of the shvatim their individuality, their characteristics, and some of them, even their flaws, that they should realize what they have to work on because that is the biggest bracha to be able to actualize your own potential. I'd like to focus this morning with you on a very interesting question and an exciting answer. And that is as follows. We know in this week's parsha that Yaakov blesses 
Yosef's two sons, and even putting Ephraim before Menashe. But we told very beautifully in the Torah that Yisrael. Yaakov now has created the formula for father to be able to rest his children. And what does he say? He says to his sons, Beautiful. What's the problem? Asks Rav Chutna, Wait a minute. Don't we find something earlier in the Torah that perhaps gives a different formula? And that is as follows. In the very beginning of Lech Lecha, when HaKadosh Baruch Hu is telling Avraham to leave Chala and to go to the place, Eretz Kenan, so among the many promises, HaKadosh Baruch Hu <coughs> promises Avraham Avinu at that time, he says the following, Literally, they will be blessed through you, all the families, the nations of the world. And indeed, we know that is considered, even though he might come from any, any country, he's considered part of Avram Avinu's family. What does Rashi say on the Nibrahu Bacha? So Rashi says that the Pshuto, the little understanding of this Pasuk is, Adam a father will say to his child, Teheka Avraham, whoa, you should be like Avraham. So if we already have the formula of Bracha that the Torah has prescribed, be like Avraham, how dare Yaakov come and forgive me, usurp the bracha of the Nivrachu Bracha and replace it with the Simcholokim Kephraim Chumanasha. Interesting question. And you can make the question stronger. Come on, you're going to tell me Avram Avinu is a good guy, a nice fellow. He was Mokhil. <clears throat> and Bako Adam Miskane Chutzmibno, right? Meaning that a person does not have any envy, jealousy of his child or grandchild, and therefore he's only too happy. But still, what happened to the bracha of be like Avram? So Rav gives a beautiful answer. He says as follows, Avram Avinu had no Mesorah. His father Terach didn't put him on his knee and teach him Moda'ani. He learned it all by himself, as Chazal tell us, he was able to intuit Torah, literally through his very kishkis. He was able to understand Torah. A father says to his son, I want you to be spiritual. I want you to have a life not just of materialism. I want you to have a life of spirituality. There's more to life. Recognize there's a God in this world. Be like Abraham. That's as far as the bracha goes, the nivrachu bracha, komish pachos be spiritual. Yisimcha lukim, kephraim chimanashe, 
The bracha that's found in this week's parsha is the bracha of Misora. That not only should you learn Torah, should not only should you have a personal connection with Hakadosh Baruch of Zekeli Vianveiru. This is my personal relationship with God. But okay, Avi. As Rashi says, Lo I'm not the first one to start to have this connection. Oh, my father, my grandfather. And listen carefully, Rosalavecha was wont to point out how special Yaakov Avinu is. We don't find anywhere that Avraham had a connection with Yaakov. We don't find that Yitzchak had a shaykhus in any of the <clears throat> shvatim. But we do find that Yaakov had a personal connection with his grandchildren, with Ephraim and Menashe. As he tells us on the Pasuk, the beginning of the parasha, you got, he was told to Umar Who told him? So Rashi on the spot says, Ephraim, Hoyorogil, Lifne Yaakov Betamut. And Ephraim was constantly with his grandfather in learning of Torah. Whoa. So the yeshiva was in Goshen. And now that Yosef has to be told that his father is sick, Ephraim runs to Mitzrayim to bring his father to Goshen and to get the brachos, as we know, of Ephraim and Menachem. But what do we see? We see clearly that Yaakov is called Yisrael Saba. And if you take a look in the Rambam, Perek Aleph of Hilchus Kriyashma, so the Rambam tells us, <clears throat> and I'm going to give you a uh, translation to save time, that Yaakov Avinu, as we know, wants to tell his children what's going to be Ba'akos Hayomim, when Mashiach is going to come, HaKadosh Baruch Hu denies him that opportunity. Perhaps this would have been too much for us to be so there, to tolerate that it's going to be in such a long time in the future. However, Yaakov doesn't know why he has been denied this opportunity. So he says, oh, yo, yo, perhaps there is Shemor, maybe amongst uh, my sons, there is Paslus, there is the disqualification that they don't believe in Yichud Hashem, in the Achdus of Hashem, in the oneness, in the uniqueness of HaKadosh Baruch Hu, that HaKadosh Baruch Hu has a personal relationship with each and every person. So, what do they say? Shema Yisrael. Now, they're not calling their father by his first name. Their father is Yaakov on the personal level. Yisrael is only the national global. They say Shema Yisrael. Yaakov, who represents the father of the Jewish nation, Hashem Elokeinu Hashem Echol. Whoa! When Yaakov hears this, he is so excited. Listen to the lesson of the Rambam. Pesach HaZokein. The Rambam calls him the elder, meaning Yaakov, and says, Baruch Shem Kavod Malchuso Yaakov says it out loud. 
We know later on in Pashat Eschanan, Moshe Rabbeinu says Shema Yisrael and does not say Baruch Shem. And therefore, the Rambam writes, Perek Aleph, Hanukadal, Kriyishma, Vichach, Nogu, Ko Yisrael. Therefore, all Yisrael have the minimum to say this Baruch Shem. And we know we say Palachash not to get involved and to insult Moshe who did not say the puzzle. But once again, the Rambam calls it that we say Shevach. Twice he uses the term zoke, and you should know the Chazal tell us often time that <clears throat> Yisrael is referred to as Yisrael Sabah. Why Yisrael Sabah? Because Yaakov was the only one that had a relationship with his grandchildren. That there was a beautiful Masora. The Gemara in Kedushin, that Lamid Omer Aleph teaches us in the name of Yeshua ben Levi, called Torah, whoever has the schus of teaching their grandchildren Torah, not only their children, the Torah looks upon it, and it is looked upon, as if he received it, as if he received it from Harsinai. Who's the he? The Gemara doesn't say who the he. The push-up shot of the flowing of the Gemara it refers to the grandfather, that the grandfather who taught his grandson Torah, he is rewarded as if he received the Torah from Sinai. Why? Because what is he doing? He is sharing that Torah, which he has, which is more in terms of earlier than the father. He received it from his rabbeim who lived earlier, they were closer in their Misora. And we believe that each generation that's closer to Sinai has more of the authentic Misora, right, from generation to generation. So as he is bringing his grandson closer to Sinai, Mito who brings him and gives him a greater understanding and a greater excitement as there was at Sinai. Stop for a moment. The way we've translated the Gemara is not the way the Marsha translates it. And the Marsha says, who's the he? Like he got it at Sinai. The he refers to the Nechet, to the grandson. So what are we saying? The Komalami is Bimbino Torah. Whoever teaches his grandson Torah, Male Allah, the grandchild, is looked upon, wow, as if he got it from Sinai. So interestingly, the Bavli learns like the Marsha. The Bavli also has the Lashon of Kol Shomeya Parsha, Mindem Dino, whoever is Zotem, to learn Torah and hear Torah from his grandchild, Kiluhu Shomeya Me'ar Sinai, as if he's getting it. So this should be the biggest machlokis between the grandfather and the grandson, who is getting more out of it. But I can only tell you how sweet it is, this chus of learning Torah with one's grandchildren. And I certainly understand those who have the privilege and are doing this already, you know exactly what I mean. But those who are not yet doing it, I'm going to make an appeal today, which you're going to thank me for forever. And that is the delicious opportunity to learn with your grandchildren. First of all, you're showing them, whoa, 
how important Torah is, that there is no generation gap in Torah, that the same Pesach, that a child of six, seven, when they first begin to learn Torah, they're excited about that the grandfather, Baruch Hashem, many, many generations older, have equal excitement because it comes from HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Wow. And the opportunity of realizing and seeing with your own eyes that this misora, which has been guarded and treated with such reverence over the years, is being perpetuated to the next generation. It is such a beautiful, delicious feeling that I wish on each and every grandparent. It's something that is doable on your level, on their level. What are you learning? And if this is an opportunity for the grandparent to prepare a little bit, wonderful. Keep up with them. But it's such an exciting uh, opportunity. I'm going to end with a very famous story, and that is late Rabbi Yaakov Kabinetsky was on a plane and he was sitting next to a gentleman, whether it was a priest or not, whatever the Masora goes. But the bottom line is, every 20 minutes or half hour, one of his grandchildren on the plane would come over and say, Zayda, can we give you something? Do you need anything? So the person sitting next to Rav Kabinetsky just couldn't hold himself back after a while and said, how is it that your grandchildren are so attentive to you and uh, not so uh, by me? And he said very simply, he said, you believe in evolution. And what does that mean? Man came from the monkey. So the more man progresses, the less we are attentive to the previous generations. And therefore, you are closer to the monkey than he is. And therefore, you're not so, you and your generation and your values are not so important, but oh, today we are so important. Masha Enke, by us, is just the opposite. We say, Imheim, the previous generation, Imheim Kimalachim, they are like angels. Oh, we recognize that they are on a higher level, and therefore, because they are closer to Sinai. So the way to fill that gap between them and yourselves, between the grandparents and the grandchildren, is through Torah. So I give the bracha as we conclude Sefer Beratius, we're concluding on that positive note that just as Chazal teach us, the Jacob Vinu Lomes, don't tell me they buried him in Borah Why? Manzaro Bechayim, as his children, his grandchildren, and Baruch Hashem, great-grandchildren are still learning the same Torah, Afu Bechayim. I take this opportunity of wishing everybody a very sweet Shabbat Shalom to all.
J.M. in the A.M. There you go. Chazak, that classic from Avram Freed, of course. J.M. in the A.M. Friday morning, Erev Shabbos. Candlelighting in New York, 423. Make sure you know when things start where you are. Feel free to comment on the app. Go to the NSN, Nahum Skill Network app for Android and iPhone, and comment away. Best regards to Belfast. We heard from Belfast earlier, so we're sending regards. It is Shabbos Vayichi. It is Shabbos Chazak. Coming up at 9 a.m., it's Naomi Nachman, brand new, with Ben Lappin from Ben's Best Chicoutery. That must be great. Ben's Best Chicoutery. Uh, Judith Rosen Romano, founder and CEO of Divine Italy. Donnie Schwartz of Passover Listing, Listings and Gabe Geller of Royal Wine. All Naomi's guests coming up starting at 9 a.m. Eastern time right here on the Nahum Siegel Network. The Arab Shabbat Show at 10 a.m. Eastern. That's Mark Zamek. Uh, your host, and of course, that's brought to you by the wonderful people at Kedem. And uh, Saturday Night Seagull tomorrow night with Avrami and Rabbi Eliezer Zwickler. JM in the AM Encore at 10 p.m. tomorrow night. If you missed any of this morning's show, 7 a.m. Sunday. It's JM Sunday with Matis live Sunday morning. Thank you, Matadiao. I haven't spoken to Matadiao on the air in a while. I really should get him on. Um... Yeah, really should. Anyway, thank you, Matadiao, for uh, hosting JM Sunday and doing such a fabulous job each and every week. Uh, JM and AM, good morning. Quarter before the hour as we continue. A big, big hello to those who are in Israel. A big hello to those who will be at the Hass concert Sunday night. Looking forward to seeing you there. A big hello to those who uh, got us to the 100% mark in our year-end campaign last Friday. Thank you. Special thank you <coughs> to me and Ralph Rosenbaum. And to everybody, as I said, the larger donors, they make up a good part of the campaign, and the smaller donors make up a good part of the campaign. And when all of it goes well, when everybody's into it, we end up at the 100% mark. So thank you, thank you, and thank you. More coming up at JMAM. This is the Chazak selection done by Sandy Shmueli at JM in the AM.
Malach done by Yaakov Shweki. Chazak from Sandy Shmueli. On this Shabbos Chazak, 423 is candlelighting time. 423 in New York. Make sure you know things start where you are. And uh, you'll be all set for yet another wonderful Shabbos, please God. JM and the AM, Friday morning, hour of Shabbos, and it's time to say good Shabbos with Journeys at JM and the AM.
Brothers and sisters in Israel, we are with you. It's your favorite America's one and only Jewish moments in the morning radio program. Heard on listeners, sponsored digital radio. Around the world, web at on the Nachomsegel Network, and of course, on the beloved NSN app. Wraps up another great day and another great week here at JM and the AM, and I thank all of you for tuning in. Don't forget, candlelighting in New York, 423. Make sure you know when things start where you are. And get ready for what I hope will be an amazing Shabbos and great weekend for everybody. Has concert is Sunday night. Looking forward to speaking to all of you from the stage. And uh, for those of you who are going to be home on the live stream, thank you very, very much for tuning in. Uh, We're back Monday. I want to thank all of our amazing staff members and volunteers. Um, Naomi Nachman coming up with a brand new show next. Table for two. Mark Zamek with the Arab Shabbos show brought to you by the wonderful people at Kedem after that. Saturday Night Seagull with our Rummy Matis JM Sunday, 7 a.m. Sunday morning. Monday, we're back. Please, God. Have a fabulous Shabbos. Great weekend. Until next time, Nachum Seagull reminding you, remember to pass, live the present, and trust the future.